One thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. What? Win. Wait, wait, wait! Take this! Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 63. My guest today is the very funny Alan Havey. Alan walked into a shitstorm, like everything was everything was messed up, and uh, it was pretty funny. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was a lot funny. of technical stuff. It was, <laughs> and, and like I told you, uh, it was one of those days today where I it woke up and it was stress, stress, stress. Yeah. And I had to negotiate it, and one bombshell, other stuff was minor. Yeah. But it all came together. Yeah. You know. So I was I'm driving down the freeway. Go, thank God, I'm gonna go see Tim. Yeah, gonna relax. I get in here. It's like this wires out. This bolt's coming out. <laughs> but I got a parking space and a free bottle of water. So uh, I'm I'm on top of the world. Well, there's you know, and it's funny that uh, you know, and I'm not just saying this because you're on my podcast, but I I don't have any respect for anyone in this business more than I do you. So it's funny that you would come in and it would be one thing after another to make me look like a jackass. Like, you know, like you joked about like, yeah, we didn't, we booked this two months ago. <laughs> we, we booked it like really six yeah. weeks, two months ago. Yeah. Well, thank you for that compliment. That's nice, but you need to meet more people in the business, uh, but maybe not, maybe just stop at me so you can, you know, always think of me that way. Yeah. I appreciate it. No, you're buddy. on a, you're on a certain level that, uh, um, and not just because you're hilarious, but you've always been very nice to me and never pretentious or any of that shit. Like I, when I got to the Comedy Magic Club, which is where I met you and where um, we do spots together occasionally, um, you've always been nothing but nice to me and, and cool. And and then I was watching a movie with my wife not too long ago. She was just my girlfriend at the time. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Alan Havey. Like, I know that guy. Like oh, cool. I, yeah. So uh, you've been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Well, no, you know, uh, I love Hermosa, you know. And, uh, you know, I always liked your work, always liked, liked it when you were at the club, because sometimes you get to the room, and there's, you, but there's could be one or two people that kind of rub you the wrong way, Yeah, you know, but when you're there, it's like, okay, Tim's here, I'm yeah. cool. I'm well, that's cool funny, that. I feel the same way about you, and, and... And I love it when I see comedians on TV, too, like, you know, and that happens to us a lot now, Yeah, you know, because there's so many venues out there. So I always get a, a kick when I see a fellow comedian, I look at him, I go, who's that? Oh, my God! You know, yeah, and uh, the, that's Joe DeRosa. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and you're also like, wow, they they paid some bills this month. Good for them. Like whenever I see my friends on TV, I'm just like, well, yeah, I'm yeah, happy. Yeah, I'm happy they, they got work. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah um, I was telling, I was telling, uh, I don't remember who it was. But it's, it's a, hold on, it's not just work, John. It's a, it's an art. It's an no, art. Absolutely. We're fulfilled as artists. <laughs> it's not about the money. It's you know, are the, you the, an actor? Uh, commercially. Yeah, okay, so then commercial. you should know. You yeah. should know. I mean, if you need of a all people. Light, I'm your guy. You, know? you need a Coors Light or cheese, Cracker Barrel Because if you cheese. do a commercial, you've got to be an artist. Well, as, uh, as, as confident as you are and seem to be to me, I, I found it interesting that you, you were one of the first people that I was – because about a year, year and a half ago, I've kind of gotten over it now. I've gotten back to like a normal level of nerves and anxiety before shows. But a couple years ago, I was going through something where I was like, what the fuck? I'm going to have to quit doing comedy. Like yeah. I'm getting so anxious before my shows that mm -hmm. like days in advance and then before the day of the show, I'm just a wreck. And this was, I've been doing this for a living now for almost 18 years. Yeah. So 16 years into doing it for a living, all of a sudden I'm having like such bad anxiety that I felt like I was going to have to quit and I confided in Alan one night. I was like, dude, uh, I don't know what's going on with me. And you were like, I went through the same thing when I was in my early forties. Yeah. Uh, would you like to tell us about that a little bit? Well, I had a bad uh, – it wasn't like days before, uh, mm -hmm. but any time I thought about going on stage, I'd get anxiety. Really? And then, yeah, and then when I uh, – before show, I was like, so, like, you know, not butterflies in your stomach, like uh, J uh, James Elroy calls them rabid bats, you know, <laughs> that are just kind of <laughs> flapping around in your gut. Yeah. And I knew I'd be fine. The only thing that really kept me going is go, once I get out there and start going, I'll be fine. And mm -hmm. I was. But it was those moments leading up to that yeah. where I just couldn't take it. Yeah. And But I did, and uh, it eventually went away. You how, know? how long did it last for you? Uh, maybe a year and a half. Okay. 
You know, I uh, I think I told you this when you approached me because I remember when you did. Uh, Olivier got bad stage fright. I think around the same time in his career in his early 40s. He had mm-hmm. done a ton of stage work. Got to the point when he played Othello. The actor playing Iago, he said, do not leave the wings so I can just see you in my peripheral vision. Because yeah. if I'm out here alone, I will not go on. Mm-hmm. So he had it during the performance. Really? You know, and there was a thing in the New Yorker recently, maybe about a year or two ago. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was doing Hamlet and thought he saw his father, who he had just lost like a month before his father had passed away, and froze and walked off and never did theater again. That's who you were telling me about. Yeah, Daniel okay. Day-Lewis. I thought it was Olivier. Uh-huh. But, yeah, he never did theater again, only movies from there on out. And then uh, a lot of these, uh, mostly they talked about classical musicians in this article on stage mm-hmm. fright. And uh, and I had recently gone to the L.A. Philharmonic. First time I'd done it since I've been out here. It was fantastic. But, you know, uh, Dudamel's up there conducting, then, you know, going through this heavy piece and all the violins, and then he points to a violinist, and they do this very complicated, intricate, fast, you know, like that, and then, boom, they go back to the main body of, of the melody. Hmm. But, uh, you know, that has to go, you know, I mean, can you imagine you're there with your violin, you've been playing since you were three, yeah. you know, and you know that piece is coming up, and everybody's going to hear you, you know. So that, to me, is, is tougher, Yeah. you know, in a way. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, stage fright. And for anyone listening who is a comedian and or who's uh, just starting out or uh, someone who doesn't do comedy, just likes performers, you think, well, you've been doing it 16 years. What's mm-hmm. wrong with you? But. You know, yeah. we're, we're always vulnerable yeah. up there. And sometimes I'll be on stage, and it happened not too long ago at the Comedy Magic Club. I, I felt completely fine backstage, and then I got up there, and I do this thing where I kind of force my breath out if I because I can feel it coming up inside my chest, mm-hmm. and then I'll just start talking louder and faster until it goes away. And the crowd doesn't know, you know, because you still have to keep your voice measured a certain way so they can't, right. so they can't pick up on it. But thinking that they're picking up on it is just terrifying. Oh, yeah. You know? And and crowds, too, people, especially in a group, can pick up stuff subconsciously, mm-hmm. like a dog. Yeah. They don't know why, but their hackles are up. Yeah. They just, like, there's something about this person I don't like, but they're not even thinking that consciously. They, it's just in the back of their head, mm-hmm. you know? And they can smell your fear and anxiety and yeah. pain and embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. Was it you telling me that same night that there was some baseball player that, like, forgot how to throw to first or something? Chuck Knobloch, yeah. second baseman for the Yankees. I don't know who he's with. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, couldn't throw at the first base, froze up. And there's a pitcher, too. Uh, the Rick Ankeel for the, was with the Cardinals. He was a top prospect pitching, made it to the big leagues as a pitcher. Then he couldn't even hit the catcher. It was a mental thing, the yips or whatever, and then he became an outfielder. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that, that's a different oh, guy, but, yeah, yeah Ankeel from the Cardinals – um, he was an ace pitcher, and like you said, made it to the majors. Um, so, and all of a sudden, he was hitting the popcorn guy. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> you know the fat lady in the third row with a fan who's always there. <laughs> so they stuck him in center field or left field, and I think center field. And I saw him make a, a couple throws at third base in one game that were extraordinary, accurate, fast from center field. Wow, a lot further away. You yeah. know. Yeah. So something happened with him. But there's also a. A pitcher pitching today, I think, for the Cubs, maybe? Oh, John Lester can't yeah. throw to first base can't or throw. where whoever is. Yeah, he's an amazing pitcher, like all-pro, all-star pitcher, but he couldn't throw to first base. That's how the Royals actually beat him in the wild card game in 14 because yeah. they, they scouted. They're like, this guy doesn't throw to first, and they went back and watched all the year. He didn't throw one pitch to first base the entire year. Well, that's why the Royals have always been cheaters. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't hold 85 over us, all right? Hey, hey you know, don't even bring that up, okay. you prick. <laughs> you son of a – you know, and you know you're, you got a gift. And Dick Hauser died several years later. God bless him, a brain cancer, so I'm glad he got a ring before <laughs> yeah. he died because he was – a coach at Florida State where I went to college. Oh, okay. That's the only way I can justify okay. losing that goddamn series. Uh, yeah, Don Dinkinshire, I love you, buddy. That's, yeah, that's Don the, Dinkinshire. That's the, that's it's the, so funny that that, that people, A lump of coal in his stocking. That people on that level, because I remember when I first moved out here, Chris Porter took me to play um, softball with like some other comedians and people I didn't know, and I remember being really nervous about it. And 
you know, I was never a great softball player or anything, but I know how to throw to first base and do the basic shit. Mm-hmm. And that first time, because I was so nervous about it and around all these people I didn't know, I was thrown to the first base like I didn't even... <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like you see these first pitches on ESPN, all these celebrities or former athletes and other sports go up and throw out the first pitch. Yeah. And they're horrible. Yeah. You know, or Obama kind of threw, you know, got it on the ground. Yeah. You figured if you know you're going to throw out the first pitch of a ball game, you're going to you're going to get up to a mound somewhere in America, yeah. get a bucket of balls and practice. You know? Oh, I was I was so terrible, and like a couple people, you know, and again, I don't know any of these people, and like one guy got pissed off at me because I was like throwing so shitty to first base, and he was like, "God damn it," you know, and uh, yeah, so, the people take that seriously. Yeah, and yeah. I went, I went, and uh, it's not, but it's normal to be nervous around new people, right. In any situation, it bothered me so bad that I my, my at a party, all you have to do is stand there and have a drink, but you got to like perform. Yeah, you know. yeah, absolutely. And it bothered me so much that my my wife was a really good athlete, and I made her go play catch with me. And uh, she was my girlfriend at the time, and we went and played catch, and I got, like, ready for it. And then I went back, and the next time we played, I was, like, throwing it at first base, like, you know, just – and the guy was like, you're, like, a whole different player. And I got it in my head, like, it's just a fucking baseball. Just throw it. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Was it uh, softball, you mean? Softball. Yeah. yeah. It's just a softball. Just throw it like you did in high school. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean shit, you know. It's just like gym class. Just... Oh, no, it doesn't. See, it does mean shit because you can't <laughs> not throw it to first base. A male in America, you know, especially yeah, my, my generation and your generation – if you can't throw a, a ball to first base, you are worthless. Yeah. You are a right. pussy, you know. Well, you know. I got all that out of my head so that I could well, get it to first base. Right. So no, I, I know you it. had to do that. But, yeah. no, it, it does mean something because yeah. it's a team. Yeah. You can't have one guy, you know, just throwing it somewhere he wants to know. You got to do the job. Yeah. That's the nerves, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I grew up wrestling my whole life, so I was thinking in my head, like, I'll kick your ass, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, take this to the mats right now. So you, know, you can't pitch. you can't beat up some guy in softball because he made fun of you because you can't throw the first. Yeah, but place. I, you know that's another thing. I feel justified when I feel like beating someone up. Yeah, because I came from a, a time and a generation, hit at home, hit at school, hit on the playground. Yeah, that was it. You got hit, hit, hit all the time. Yeah. Now it didn't seem that way at the time. Of course, you didn't get hit all the time, but anytime you messed up, boom. Smack in the head. Yeah. Uh, uh, none would pull you out of the desk by ear. You know, you say some something to somebody on the playground he doesn't like a kid, oh, hit you. Yeah. You know? There was a thing on Facebook yesterday. There was this kid who was probably seven or – actually, I, I don't know how – he was probably maybe 11. He looked like he was probably fifth grade. And this parent was getting on to him about he was messing with cars or something. And the parent came out and was, like, talking to the kid. And then the kid got in the guy's face, got in this adult's face, and he's like, talking shit to this adult and eventually he started hitting the adult in the arm and the, the guy's like you know just blocking him and you know how old was the keep, kid he's probably fifth grade okay. sixth grade maybe so 12 yeah. 13 so then the dad finally comes around the corner and he just pushes the kid and i was at the kid, oh it wasn't the kid's dad no okay no it was just some guy that w- that was confronting the kid like hey you shouldn't be throwing shit at people's cars and yeah and it was like walking into the school and the kid started swinging on him and all this wow and uh then I was like, ah, oh, good for you for not punching that kid. Yeah. That's what I yeah. would have done. But then he came around the corner and he did push the kid down. and The dad did. The, yeah, whoever this guy was. Oh, and wait, wait, wait. So this guy wasn't the dad. but no. So a different guy came around. No, it was the same guy. The guy, the kid's swinging on the, ki- on okay, the, on the adult. And, and the adult is taking it and just being, you know, like taking right. the high road. And then I guess something snapped in his head because then he came around the corner and he, this is all on camera, and he pushed the kid down. And that's all I did was push him. But in my head, I was just like, that's what you get, you little fucker. (laughs) (laughs) But I also cringed for the adult because I was like, oh, man. like He's probably going to get sued. Yeah, you're screwed now. You just did that. There's a million people have already seen this video. And... And it wasn't like you did it yeah, when yeah, he Maybe you get a good you. judge, you know, old school judge. Right, I saw the tape. Not guilty. Yeah. Next. That's nah. what I was thinking and, and, and hoping. Yeah, yeah, come on in, Todd. This is Todd Larson. He's going to take some pictures for us. Hey, Todd. How are you? Todd, how are you? I saw one recently where this they were at a, was at a pharmacy, and this little kid's like, fuck you. Like, the kid's four. Three or four years old, and the mom's standing there, and people are like calling her out. And she's like, "What do you want me to do? What can I do?" And I'm just sitting there watching this, like, 
you can just act like that's a kid that you know like anything about parenting at all like just i don't know people if it's like they're selfish or what or they just don't give a shit or like they were raised by their grandparents so they don't know how to raise kids or themselves or what but like oh it's all the parenting just yeah. some just people just i don't know i don't have kids but they seem like they're goddamn invincible and they know it nowadays it's like it's, well, it's almost like that whole like he can't hit me kind of a thing yeah they know that well i'll call the cops on you <laughs> Well, I overheard a lady, a neighbor in my building, uh, teaching her children, like four, five-year-old, six-year-old children, how to say fuck you. Really? Yeah. You, you spell it. She was telling them to do it on the speaking to F, U, C, K. And I confronted her, and she said no. And then the, their housekeeper later said, yes, she was. So I called child services. Oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This and was her I, children? Her children. Wow. And uh, they called, uh, I guess, child services ordered the police. Huh. You know. How, what did you say to the lady? I saw her, uh, I saw her in the elevator with the kids. I go, was that you uh, telling those kids how to say F you? Yeah. And the kids were there. She goes, no, no, that wasn't me. It was her. It was, this is a damaged person. Yeah. You know. Huh. And that's how it spreads to society because those kids grow up with not knowing any different. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, all, it's over for the kids. Well, that's yeah. what sucks. Hopefully is, not. Is Hopefully you saved them. Anyone yeah. can have a, a freaking child. I think your bit that you do about not having kids is so funny. You know. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, and I love children, too. I get yeah. along with kids, you know, except in situations where they're acting up. Yeah. And I don't get mad at them. I get mad at the parents. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it's it's easier to walk away from a fight from a twelve year old kid. But I understand where anyone yeah. could push your, the right button and you snap. Yeah, you know, especially I mean, if he's literally pushing your button on your arm with his fist. Yeah, you know? and he was swinging on this adult, swinging yeah. full on, and the kid, the guy was just holding up his arm, and he kept absorbing the blows, and then eventually he just. That's when you try to catch the fist and put your elbow up. Yeah, and hopefully they'll break a finger or yeah. something. And the kid started screaming bloody murder when he pushed him down, and then he started calling this lady a whore that was trying to, like, help him up. And, oh, and, oh, uh, yeah. Well, oh, he he's was, a damaged kid. Yeah, Too it, bad. Yeah, man. it was brutal. Ang anger at the home, you know, or maybe uh, chemically imbalanced. Who knows? Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. Um, only only uh, thing that will uh, help that kid is prison. Yeah. Adult prison. Put him in with the, the bad guys. They'll straighten him out and Scare him release him to society. <laughs> <laughs> Have Call you, in if you're having problems at home with your children. Alan Havy here. <laughs> uh, we call this Cut to the Chase, baby. I do love seeing you down at the Comedy Magic Club. Is that definitely your favorite club in L.A.? Yeah. 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 And uh, I go from there to New York yeah. and go to the Comedy Cellar. So I'm really lucky. I'm, I'm working the two best clubs in the country. Yeah, I've never uh, done the Comedy Cellar in New York. Oh, it's great. I love the comedians at the at Hermosa, too. Yeah. They just run a great club. Yeah. You know, they care about the comedians. Mm -hmm. They care about their employees. They care about their guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, it shows. And they're all about the show. Like, they, yeah. don't, they don't serve doubles. They don't serve shots. They don't want the crowd getting all shit-faced. And it's not about just selling drinks. You know, a lot of clubs these days, that's all they care about is selling drinks. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and and listen, uh, I believe in capitalism, you know. Sure. Uh, and and I'm sure guys out there do sell shots, but they run a, a good club. They have bouncers who really care. Mm -hmm. There are clubs out there, but then uh, most clubs uh, they treat the comedian as they would. Uh, hey, we got some cocktail napkins for you in the back. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we need those. I, I you know I, I brought this up. We talked a couple weeks ago. More and more, you go to clubs. Here's the green room. You mean that room that everyone just walked through to get into the showroom? Like, yeah. there's the green rooms are disappearing smaller and smaller. Because, you know, really? why, why would you want your comedian to be, you know, in his own space and not bothered before a show, you know? And meanwhile, they're worried about all these other details. And, like, yeah. well, they, they don't give have, a shit about it. There have us. been clubs that don't. I mean, you know, the comedy seller doesn't have a green room. They have a comedian's table in mm -hmm. an area. but you, And you're not in the club. You're upstairs. So it's... But downstairs at the Village Underground, there's, you know, uh, a table in the back. So, you know, even in the 80s coming up, not every club had a green room. Right. But there were clubs that really uh, realized they had something special. Yeah. They're going to make a lot of money, very little overhead. So let's treat these people right, uh, pay them well, bring them back, you know, let them eat, let yeah. them drink to a certain extent. Right. But uh, if you can't get free drinks in a club or free food— some comedian fucked that up. Yeah. 
that Absolutely. came before you. Absolutely. And you and, you know, every other comedian that works there pays that price. Right. You know. So you were born in St. Louis, but you didn't start doing comedy there, right? Yeah, uh, came out of the womb, had the nurses cranking up. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to name a wing after me. Sure, that's a ticket. Well, I came out with a, a, a straw hat and a cane, yeah. did a little razzle-dazzle. Yeah. No, no, not uh, not in St. Louis. I moved to Miami. I was raised in Miami, Florida. Oh, okay. From the age of like two and a half. Cool. To uh, through college, really, you know. And uh, then I went to New York. After that, but I, I had a comedy partner in uh, college, but never really, being a stand-up really was intimidating, and I thought it was too hard and scary, mm-hmm. yeah. but I started doing stuff with my partner, and then I got tired of that, um, and I saw, we would play in clubs, and I'd see stand-ups, you know, so I go, well, that's a way to go, I don't, you know, I, I don't have to check you know, we'd have to rehearse, and then he'd write stuff I didn't like, and I wrote stuff he didn't like, or you know. Right. This way, you know, you're the whole thing. You're mm-hmm. the, so that it started to appeal to me. So you didn't start staying up though till you were what twenty eight? Twenty. I I turned started eking out a living at twenty eight. Okay. Um, probably started doing sit up twenty six, twenty five, twenty six. It was pretty quick. What did you do up until that point, though? I was with my comedy partner. Oh, with your partner. Yeah, but we weren't making, we made very little money. Uh, I was a bartender and for a while, then I got fired after a couple of years, and I was a waiter for a while, and I got fired after What did you months. do to get fired? Uh, I, I was fine. They just saw, <laughs> we just <laughs> we just interpreted my behavior as different. Yeah. I saw it as charming. They saw it as uh, incompetent and That's rude. Funny. Not rude, but, you know. We uh, from the bartending job, there was uh, something going on. I think I was just burnt out, yeah. And uh, I was careless. And with the waiting job, we had a mad rush one Sunday, and one of the waiters was, uh, what the hell is that? <laughs> my God, <laughs> my God! I feel like I'm on stage. It's like Austin. you know, when someone's, yeah. someone someone from Austin, Texas. Okay. Hey, wait, what, what was that? Cell <laughs> phone. <laughs> Sorry, you, 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 they. Now, how can I go on now? Tim, yeah, I'm an yeah, artist. Yeah. What do you think? I'm a record. You just put the needle back on the vinyl. Come on. Oh, no, I got it. I got Hit it. reset you on your out. CD player. God damn it! I'm not electronic, dude. I'm right here. I, I, I lost my chain of thought. You're talking about being a bartender. Why they fired you? Yeah. Uh, and I was a waiter, and this, uh, one of the waiters was kept bitching at me and complaining. Mm-hmm. He was this kind of queenie dude. Yeah. And uh, then they fired me. I came down. They go, what happened? They let me go. And he looked at me and goes, I'm sorry. Like that. And uh, he always told me he wanted to be on the cover of Time magazine. Yeah. You know. And I, I finally, I got so tired. I go, you know, they don't put waiters on the cover of Time <laughs> magazine. You're going to have to do something. He didn't know what he wanted to do, but he wanted to be on the cover of Time. He kept talking about it. I go, ain't going to happen here. Yeah. You know. But then... Uh, I remember it was right. To, uh, I ran the New York Marathon for the last time. I'd run at 80, 81, 82. I didn't know you were a runner. Yeah, I was. I, I created myself a runner because I needed to do something after college. Okay. I was. I was going. I got to do something. So I was running a little bit. I go, damn it! I'm going to do something that, to me at the time, seemed almost impossible. So that really helped my confidence in, in you know in yeah. life, not just in business. Really changed my life. And uh, I remember coming back from that wedding job. I go, that's it. Because I was kind of making a little bit of money here and there in comedy. I go, that's it. I'm not working for anyone else. And I decided I am working for myself. I was a lot angrier than I am now. But, uh, and uh, kind of put my foot down and uh, started. And then Silver uh, uh, Friedman at the Improv, God bless her, gave me a job a couple days a week answering phones. And I got to eat, and because I was there, she'd give me a couple more spots. Yeah. Just because I was in front of her, you know. But then guys would call and say, hey, I got a club of jersey. My headliner dropped out. I need a headliner. I go, I go. Well, we got this guy, this guy, and uh, this new guy, Alan Havies, is pretty good. You know, I, I, I know he can do it. I just saw him in here a little while ago. <laughs> so I, would, <laughs> I was able to book myself, nice. <laughs> you know, Brilliant. Brilliant. in clubs. But then I had to go home and write some good shit <laughs> or, you know but I, you know i i got through it and then i heard some some guys found, found out about it 
and I got more work because they liked my moxie. Yeah. You know, this is back in the early <laughs> 80s when that word was just fading out. Yeah. Hey, the kid got moxie. <laughs> oh, are you the guy that's been booking on the Empire? Yeah. My my friend Justin Leon run, one time was in the uh, green room at Stanford and Sons in Kansas City, and he wrote his name on the schedule and uh, as the headliner, and they called him like two weeks later, and they're like, we got you down to headline in two weeks? He's like, yep. <laughs> in Kansas City, and yeah. how'd they go? Uh, I, I mean, he was a he was a headliner. Yeah. It wasn't like he was. Right. I mean, he, you know, he did well. He's really funny, but uh, I just thought it was funny that he literally wrote his name because he yeah. saw an empty space on there and he yeah. just wrote Justin Leon, and they See, called him two weeks later. And, like, and that's a booker that doesn't really know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thank God. <laughs> oh, no, and someone there's yeah. like, oh, your name was on the form. Yeah. Well, do you ever someone after a show say, hey, he should be on one of those sitcoms? Mm-hmm. You know, that's happened to me. And I've had people argue with me about what sitcom I was in. They're like, hey, I saw uh, you on What's It Called? And I'm like, I wasn't on that. And they're like, yeah, you were. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. you don't think I know? I've, yeah, I've learned not to argue with people. <laughs> yeah, I don't either anymore. This, this guy at a party said, hey, I saw that you in Montreal. You did that great bit about being a de- uh, going to the dentist. I go, oh, that wasn't me. He goes, no, it was you. Yeah. And I'm like, so here, and he was an intelligent person. Right. You know, he wasn't some, you know, stumble bum. And he goes, no. And I go, someone who does this is telling you it wasn't me. Do you think I'm lying? Do you think I would love to take credit? Right. Because he loved the bit. And I, it was Jeremy Hotz. Okay. I told him, it's Jeremy Hotz. He goes, no, it was you. And then and then he said a couple, like he seen me with the with Dennis bit, fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, and finally at the end of the party, he comes up and goes, you know, it wasn't you. It was this other guy. I go, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were right. Oh, thanks. It's yeah. funny you mentioned Jeremy Hotz because last time I saw you, you guys were having a discussion in the green room, and he was talking about pro wrestling, and you were like, you were very like, what I love about you is no matter how much you like someone, you're, you're not, you don't give a shit. Like you were just like, oh, pro wrestling, yeah, yeah, because that's real. That's a real thing. And he's like, you don't understand. And he's like, you, you're like, oh, I understand. It's just bullshit. <laughs> I just said I like I like sports, but not when it's fiction. Yeah, you know. Have, have you always been? Uh, have you always had a confidence about you, or did that no, develop? No, no, I no, I don't think it's developed. I think it's a personality disorder. <laughs> <laughs> that I've, uh, I've, it it works for me most of the time. Yeah, you know, I, I got smacked a few times in high school, and then I said, okay. Did you? I got yeah. I I, I got to watch myself because I know exactly what to say to reduce someone. Yeah. You know, I, I'm real good at that. Yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, it's great because it's something you learn on stage. You know, yeah. it's a defense mechanism we all have to learn, and you can't hit anybody anymore. You know, it's not like I'm going to go up to Jeremy and go, what? You like wrestling? Boom! Yeah, you know? right. But, the, no, I mean, these guys were talking about, it. yeah, that guy. Remember that guy back in the day? I said, listen, I understand it was a great show and everything. But it's, come on. Yeah. It's wrestling. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. The Olympic wrestling, yes. Yeah. That's- I'm sorry. No, I, I've, I've always admired that about you because I, you know, not that you're rude or anything or want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you also have never, I've never seen you be like, agree with someone just to agree with them. If you don't agree, you're like, eh, bullshit. Yeah. And I've always liked that about you. Even just sitting and watching conversations like someone will be talking about, you know, whatever, how great so-and-so was. And if you don't think that, you're like, eh, that guy sucked. Or, not, you know. I, well, see, here's the like thing. Like a club I, owner or no, Well, yeah, or I here's what I'll say. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really get along with that person. I, I try not to get to that person sucking. Yeah. <laughs> and, if I, and if they're praising someone, it's a comedian, I'll just keep my mouth shut. Yeah. I mean, I will, you know, I will not publicly, even at that table, yeah. trash a comedian. Yeah. You know, except, you know. If I can get a good joke in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Have you always been good at crowd work, or is that something? No, like, no. I had to learn that, you know, yeah. very early on. It's in my an art. People abuse it's, it, and they think that you can just go out there and. Yeah, you know. yeah, and I know it's kind of a, a lot of comedians, experienced comedians, think it's hacky and they can kiss my ass, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it, you get your biggest laughs from that, and I and I'm truly curious about people. Mm-hmm. What do you do, you know, or like, you know, why that shirt or something? Yeah, but it's not. I, I just kind of it for me. It happens pretty organically. I would yeah. hope, you know. But it comes from emceeing at the Improv back in New York during the day. Yeah, they found out I was good at it, and on the second show on Friday or Saturday, the better MCs kept the crowd there longer. Mm-hmm. So guys coming back from Jersey, from gigs who had had a late spot at the Improv, sometimes they come back to fifteen people. 
But sometimes when I was emceeing, there'd be 100 people, you know, you'd have, and I'd, wow, Haley, you know, so, and that kept more people in there, more drinking, so Silver liked it, you know, because she was selling alcohol. Right. Uh, and uh, so I got a lot of gigs, and I got good at it because, it, you know, you go up, you do uh, an intro, and then between the acts, I, I would watch the other acts, too. That's what a lot of MCs don't do. A lot of MCs will get off stage, they'll go sit down, look at their cell phone, and look at their watch, and they'll go back up. They don't watch. Something could have happened mm-hmm. right. in the room with the comedian, like a you know a guy in the crowd, or maybe a joke he did that people moaned at, or something. There, there's always a dynamic there. So you go up there, and you kind of if you have a joke about that, you drop it in, and it keeps the thread going. Yeah. You know, that's why people were there yeah. at late at night. That's why I, I loved keeping people in their seats and entertained and. You're like the host of a party. Yeah. And somewhere along that late 80s, uh, being an MC was uh, not a great job. People felt, oh, I'm the low man on the totem pole. Yeah. No, you're not. You never are. You're the host. You're the people they see. And it sounds corny. It sounds old school business. But it works. Right. You know, if you're with a detached MC, not keeping the laughs going, not giving you a good intro, no one, you know, don't bring you up right now. Wait till this waitress gets out of the way, you know, yeah. and wait till the people are focused, then bring you up. It's a matter of a minute, minute and a half, sometimes 10 seconds. Yeah. But to read that and do that well, it, it, it makes all the difference in a show. Good MCs are hard to find. And my, my intro is like literally 10 words long and I give it to them. And they want to add so many words to that. You know, like if I say headlines nationwide, they want to go, you guys have seen this guy all over the country. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'm like, just say what I fucking told yeah. you to say. It's not, you know. Um, That's why it's great in the U.K. They what do they say, do in the U.K.? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next comedian, Alan Havey. That's it. Hmm. There's no credits yeah. like that. And they go, do you, uh, do you want credits? We really don't do these. They go, fine. No credits. I don't care. Yeah. And because they think it's bragging. And I hate to name drop, you know. Mm-hmm. I just sent to the press people, go, here's what I've done. Here's what I, who I've been with. Here are the, like, things, you know, president. But this is just to get people on podcasts. I don't want you putting it out there. You know what I mean? Right. Like, cool people I've met or cool things I've done. This has really happened to me. So what I'm letting you know is I've had an interesting life. And if you get me on a podcast to promote the Edinburgh Festival, which I'm right about to do, mm-hmm. you know. I've heard uh, great things. Yeah. yeah, I've heard great things about that festival. Is this your first time? Or? Yeah, first time. Oh, wow. Cool. I'll be uh, 63. I'll be 64 in September. So. Nice. 63. September 19th. I yeah, thank you. Yeah. Oh, you saw that. Saw oh, you prick. I did a little homework. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's another thing. You go into to a meeting now, an agent or, or a producer. Tell me about yourself. They, they, they know nothing about you. Yeah. Nothing. And now you can look at it uh, for a minute and find out, you know, where you were born, what your birthday is. You know, for a podcast, if that interests you, but they can look at your credits. Like, oh, okay, this guy's done this and this. Oh, yeah. You have a shitload of credits. How many movies have you been in, though? Not a lot of movies, uh, mostly television. Yeah. You know. But you've done a ton of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, l- listen, if you're 63 and you haven't done a ton of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, it, it's work and perseverance. Yeah. You know, if I were to say all of them now. It'd be like, holy shit, you're bragging. But, you know, it's like Larry Miller. Yeah. He has an intro. I've been in every movie ever made. You yeah. Know? That, that's one of the my favorite parts about doing uh, spots at the Comedy Magic Club is going back there and just having conversations with guys like Larry Miller. Yeah. I was telling him some stuff about my dad, and he started laughing. He goes, is that in your act? And I was like, no. And he goes, it should be. And, uh, I, you know, when I get compliments, like when I hear stuff like that from people like that, you know, and I'm sitting across from um, – can't think of his name right now arliss um gosh dang it what's his name arliss howard no Ar- he was From on the, the show, show the show arliss, arliss. Yeah. oh robert wall yeah robert yeah. wall thank you oh, he, he was robert has great american stories. graffiti you know i remember yeah. seeing that movie when i was a little kid and i was uh-huh. in the, sitting across from him in the green room at the comedy magic club you know just having a normal conversation about baseball or whatever i was just like this is surreal yeah he loves he he has uh a lot of good showbiz stories he knows he has a lot of knowledge too who, if, if, you know, I know you're not a name dropper, but I'm asking you to name drop. If if you had to pick, like, a, the biggest movie star who was not only the biggest movie star, but cool, uh, who would who'd it be? Jeez. Uh, movie star. Uh, I guess Matt Damon. That's funny. I was going to ask about Matt Damon. Yeah, no, really cool. 
I mean, you know, sometimes you meet them briefly, you know, and they're cool, but you you don't have time to be a dick. But, uh, no, I was on a... A letterman with and Matt Damon was on. He was the the middle. He wasn't even headlining. He was the the middle guest when he first started out. And then I was in the, played a small part in the movie Rounders, and he was there. I love that movie. And then I got cast in The Informant. Uh, and That's the movie I saw you with yeah. my wife. I was yeah, like, That's with Matt Damon. So I got to talk to him, hang out to him. Yeah, easygoing guy. He used to go to the Improv when he and Ben Affleck were, uh, came to town. Were working on uh, Goodwill Hunting. Right. He went to the improv practically every night hmm. and go on the weekends. Cool. And I said, were you ever the funny guy? And he, well, he goes, no, no. Because I figured a guy that, an actor that does that has maybe a secret desire to mm-hmm. be a stand-up. No, he just enjoyed it. You know, so, and a lot of, uh, and there were a lot of comedians in that movie. Soderbergh cast, and mostly in straight parts. I played FBI guy. Uh, Patton Oswalt was in there. Jimmy Brogan. Uh, the Smothers Brothers. Uh, it, it was really interesting what he did, and everybody had a straight part. When speaking of Goodwill Hunting, did you know Robin Williams? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was on speaking terms. We weren't friends, but yeah, we were on speaking terms for about thirty years. He used to come into the clubs in the mid '80s and do guest spots. Down to earth guy, probably the biggest superstar that is like I've seen him in all kinds of situations, mm-hmm. and really handles it all well. Yeah, uh, equally nice to everybody, inclusive. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sad. Very uh, sad. Yeah. yeah. What yeah, happened to him? Still had so much left in him. Well, but, but apparently because of his mental problems oh, that yeah. he knew were going to exacerbate, he did not want to wind up uh, doddering in a wheelchair. Yeah. And he said no. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, believe me, if, if he felt he could, I mean, you know, talk about an optimistic guy with energy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So he was normally a very optimistic person. I I don't, you know, I can't say optimistic. It just seemed to be, you know. Like I said, I didn't know him well, you know, but in clubs and stuff. You get to know people, though, pretty well hanging around in clubs. And and also watching different people deal with fame. You know, you you knew them when they were not famous, Mm -hmm. and now they are famous. Yeah. That's been very interesting. Yeah. You know, or, or deal with a little bit of pop. You know, like they're in a national commercial in the 80s that's very prominent. Or they just got on Carson or something. Have you seen it turn a lot of people into dicks? A couple people. They just don't, you know, how to handle it. And then some people were dicks, and they're never going to be happy. Yeah. And then uh, people like, you know, uh, and I'll drop, I won't drop a negative name, but like Seinfeld, Ray Romano, mm-hmm. John Stewart, Chris Rock, those guys all seem to handle it really well. You know, no entourage, no security, super ass famous, you yeah. know, and uh, just basic down to earth guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love about uh, John Witherspoon. He doesn't travel with any entourage or any of that stuff. Yeah. Just super down to earth and tell you stories in the green room for two hours. And, right. Yeah. I heard there was a character actor on The Sopranos, you know, one of the guys, not the, the lead, not, uh, uh, what's his name? The guy, uh, James Gandolfini. Sorry, okay. sorry to friends and family of Mr. Gandolfini because <laughs> they all listen to Tim's show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a big Jersey phone. One of the guys who was playing one of the mobsters on the side uh, would go into restaurants with a bodyguard, so people would leave him. Away. It was just like that's the kind of thing. Yeah. Now maybe he had his life threatened. I doubt it, but uh, there are times too when guys want to come up and fight you. If you play a tough guy in a movie, I bet. Thank God I don't. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, there was a guy I worked with, and he was on Justified, and he played like a tough guy on that show, just a tough ass country boy. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, his family's down in Tennessee or North Carolina, so he'd be in a bar there, go down there during the holidays to visit his folks, and these guys would come up, and they would just have a big chip on their shoulder, like they want to let's see how tough you are. Yeah, oh, that's the movies, you know. <laughs> The guy getting hit and falling over the fence, that's some other guy. That's not me. Right. You know? um, so you spent a ton of time in New York and L.A. Would you say there's a difference between New York and L.A. comics? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Uh, I think the quality in New York, the concerted quality is better, mm-hmm. you know, if I had to make any sweeping generalizations. Uh, and they're concerned about their career, but, you know, they're pretty easygoing. I think, you know, in L.A., this town, 
uh, has a way of making you kind of pant a little bit like a dog, yeah. a little desperate, Yeah, you know. But, I, you know, I've been doing it so long. It's like I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, I do want to get work and stuff like that, but if I don't get a part, you know, it sucks, but I don't like, oh, fuck, that would, oh, you know. I mean, I've lost some big, a couple of big things in the last couple of years. Like, ah, okay. Keep, yeah. Just keep going forward, you know, keep moving, get a good break, yeah. you know, play it out as long as you can, go to the next thing. Because it does wear on you, you know. It, it seems like the guys in New York, um, follow the process a little more like they they learn how to do it and keep getting better and better and a lot of la comics especially younger ones like they they they're very much like i did three open mics i'm a comedian i'm on the same level as you know like you who've been doing it for a living for you know 20 years like well no it takes a little longer than that (laughs) yeah yes it does well (coughs) excuse me i forgot to hit the cough button um but that's because their moms told them, oh, you're going to be a wonderful comedian. Yeah. Your, your parents are like my, you know, parents go, what? Uh, uh, good luck. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to I'm gonna make some cardboard wings and I'm going to fly off this cliff. Uh, good luck, you know. Yeah. They, oh, no, you're going to be wonderful. Jimmy's going to be great. You're going to be fantastic. I'm going to be comedian. Yay. And their friends go, yay, you're going to rock. <laughs> and you went up and you talked and you maybe got a laugh or two. Man, you killed it. Yeah. You rocked, yeah. you know. Once you get away from people, you know. That's what I love about comedy. It was a way. It was all strangers. Yeah. Nobody I knew from school. None of my family. I didn't bring anybody to clubs. I didn't bring my girlfriend. You know, mm-hmm. it was just good. Nobody ha- knows my history here. I can fuck with them. Yeah, I'll fool them all. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, guys, they're almost very competitive in New York to see. You know, they want to come up with better and new stuff mm-hmm. because the same comedians seem all the time yeah yeah sometimes I, I see certain shows in LA that I'm like god I feel like I've just watched the same guy go up and you know they look different but they've gone up and done the exact same well you know that happens in everything I yeah. mean you know you can look at pop artists and you know in a lot or a rapper you know it sounds like the same old crap you know but then you see some really good and you go wow what's that you know yeah uh same thing in the 80s, you know, uh, when the comedy uh, explosion. Tell me uh, about the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but, it, but, you know, once it started no, getting on TV and, it started, and comedy started saturating, you'd see, all right, I'm tired of seeing the same guy with a jacket and a, sle- and a skinny tie, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the airplane flight, you know, yeah. or being on the road. Yeah. Uh, it's up and down. But then someone comes along that just kind of stands everything on its head. Yeah. You know, like uh, Doug Stanhope. Yeah. You ever listen to him? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's what's the guy who died of the heroin? Oh, uh, God damn it. Oh, Hedberg. Hedberg. Yeah, Mitch Hedberg. I mean, uh, you know, and that's an old school formula. Mm -hmm. Set up punchline. Two lines set up punchline, you know. Stephen Wright. It's the same. It's almost kind of the same thing. Totally different point of view. Different delivery system. And it's like, you know, so... If you work at what you do and try to find your unique voice and not try to manufacture it, yeah, you see guys pushing that too. Like, I'm gonna be a little off the cuff. No, no, you're still on the cuff. Yeah, you know, <laughs> or faking anger or something. like Yes, that. yeah, yeah. A guy accused me twice of, oh, heavy with that fake anger, and that's when you feel like you want to see how fake my anger is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. I asked um, Lewis Black one night about about if he drank or something. He's like, no. I don't drink. If I do, the anger becomes too real. <laughs> and talk about another really super nice, just genuinely nice person. Lewis Black is, uh, yeah, of, good guy. One of the nice. Started late, you know. Did I he? think in his forties. Okay. Late thirties, early forties. Cool. I'm pretty sure. It's always encouraging. To yeah. Well, yeah. You. What? Gives me hope. Yeah. yeah. No. 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 What, what? What? What do you want to be? You want to be a comedian? He's a comedian. Oh, you yeah. are a comedian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, how long have you been doing it? Yeah, yeah. So you you already fuck hope. You've been doing it fifteen years. I hope. Do you, you prefer stand up or acting? Uh, well, you know, I, I stand up. You know, I do. I can do. You know, but acting, someone has to open up the door. Yeah. You know, unless I write my own stuff, which I really don't 
want to do at this point. Even back when people say, you should develop your own character. So I, you know, I don't see myself in a shit comp. Yeah. That's what I used to call them. Yeah. I mean, Seinfeld, I love that show. Right. But that was good for Jerry. Yeah. You know, and, and, of course, Larry David, the mind of Larry David on that show. That was an incredible combination. True. Those were two of my favorites when I first walked in. First started doing stand-up, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and got past at the improv so I could see other good acts. That was one of the advantages. Seinfeld and Larry David, I said, if these guys don't make it, there's something wrong in this business. Mm-hmm. Same thing I said mm-hmm. about Stephen Wright. You know, so when they did make it, it's like, oh, see, this this works. It gave me hope. Yeah. You know, and, you know, uh, then Larry and Jerry go on to make, like, iconic show. Did it's you know just, him well, Stephen Wright? Uh, no. No, I met him a few times, hung out with him, funny guy, yeah. interesting guy, nice guy, but no, I don't know him. I haven't well. seen him do anything for a long time. I forget about him until people bring him up. I'm like, Well, oh, that's because yeah. he's out there doing shows and, you yeah. know, he's in theaters. So I can remember an Orny, yeah. that documentary comedian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 He goes, yeah, where's Stephen Wright today? Oh, selling out probably 3,500 seats somewhere <laughs> at a theater. Doesn't have to worry about the check spot. Yeah. Doesn't have to worry about work. Doesn't have to worry about being a star. He's just enjoying his life, working like a dog. I ran into Stephen Wright about I mean, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. We're talking. He goes, it's, it's getting harder. Yeah. He said, it's still hard. I go, I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, you might write a joke or be on a run where, hey, you creative run, but you still got to work it. Yeah. Yeah. I, do you know Chuck Johnson? He's uh, he, at the Comedy Magic Club. I've seen him a few times, but... um. Or is it Chuck Johnson? Anyway. Chuck he, Johnson? He was at uh, some spot we were doing a few years ago, and he's like, he he had a really strong joke, and then he closed on one that wasn't near as strong, and he goes, should have closed on that last one. I've been doing this 30 years. I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I thought that was so funny because oh. you never truly know. You know, it's like. Nobody knows comedy. Yeah. I, I, I got in a situation recently at the Comedy Cellar. I landed on a Thursday night. I didn't go on, but I went there to have a martini and mm-hmm. hang out because I love to hang. And I won't mention his name, but the comedian said, I've been doing this 35 years. I know comedy. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, and I had a little gin in me. I'm going to back away from the microphone. And I just went, ha! 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 ha. And I'm all like, I didn't realize how loud I was and how obnoxious I was. And I go, you know comedy, do you? Nobody knows comedy. Yeah. Woody Allen, Mel Brooks, Richard Pryor, nobody knows comedy. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. You know what's going to work? And, oh, man. And I, I apologize to him and everybody else over the next couple nights. Yeah. Um, it was just... Because I realized I broke one of my cardinals. Don't argue with someone when they say something idiotic. Yeah, it's you know? true. It's a good cardinal rule. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, you, no, you were in the sitcom. You just say, thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I don't remember because I've done so many, but thank you. My my friend Jason Dixon, who I quote more than anyone in this business, um, he, he was already doing comedy for a living for like 10 years when I started, so I learned a lot of nice little quotes from him and stuff, and he was – he was telling me one day at lunch, he was like, you know, after you do this for a long time, every now and again, you have a dangerous thought. You go, you know, I might not kill every time, but I don't think I'm going to bomb anymore. And oh, as soon as you have that thought, you are about oh, to eat shit. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You can the- always bomb. Your- See, that's the thing. You're always vulnerable to fucking up yeah. and bombing. I was at the Virginia. That's the fear. That's that, and it's normal fear. That sure. anxiety you had was absolutely normal. Yeah, but you can't go on with that. Yeah, you know, being in front of uh, sixty thousand people and worrying about throwing the ball to first base is normal. Sure, you know, but you got to get through that. Yeah, you know, that's what makes you a pro. I was at the Richmond Funny Bone a couple of years ago, and for forty-five minutes, I mean. God, it was brutal. And what I'm proud of now, though, what I'm proud of now, though, is that I can do 45, and even if it goes terrible and I hate every minute of it, I can still look down at my watch and I've done my time. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? great. That's great. <laughs> you know? Well, if the, if the girl doesn't come, at least I tried everything. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
I'm, I'm never going to stay in there. She's never going to invite me back into her bedroom again. But I went here and there and everywhere. I did yeah. everything. Gosh dang it. What would you like me to do? Yeah. You know? Well, this was a Thursday, fortunately, uh, and the rest of the weekend was great. And, okay. And the guy running the sound booth is a guy named Buzz. He's real Southern. He goes, That was the worst crowd I've ever seen in here in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and that made me feel a little better. I'm like, Oh, well. Yeah, but a, a sound guy by the name of Buzz. Yeah. That's, that's weird. With yeah. one Z, by the way. That's a, hey, well, I'm not going to write the guy, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I'm going to do, Tim? Put it in my journal? I just thought it was funny that Buzz with one Z. <laughs> uh, you think Buzz oh. always has two Zs, but apparently it does not. Not this Buzz. That's the worst crowd I ever heard. <laughs> Hi, Buzz with one Z. That's, what he, that's how he introduced. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Buzz, one Z. In case you want to write my postcard or post it, put it on my car or something. <laughs> Because when I see Buzz with two Z's, I, I, it could be another Buzz. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I'm I'm somewhat humorous. What do you think has changed the most about stand-up since since '81, since back in the day? Social media? Well, no, no, I haven't even noticed social media. Yeah, well. Do you hate social media? No, no, no. I think it's good. Look at uh, Ismo. Yeah. Do you know what happened to Ismo? Not really. Do you know Ismo? I know of him. Okay. I've met him once or twice at the Comedy Magic Club. Yeah, nice guy. Went on Conan, got 66 million views off Facebook. Wow. He's selling out shows now. So wow. uh, a comedian, God, I forget the guy's name, uh, D'Elia. Who's the guy? Chris D'Elia. Chris D'Elia. Mm-hmm. Was at a show at the, uh, and I just heard the story, at the Laugh Factory. He's on stage doing his thing. Justin Bieber came in. And he had like one bodyguard and a friend, you know, not a, just sat in the back and loved Chris D'Elia. Mm-hmm. So he tweeted it out. All of a sudden, kaboom. He's got wow. all these young girls at his show. Huh. Just yeah. like that. Just like that. So How do you get 66 million views he, on something? Ismo is very benign. He's well, First of all, he writes great material. He, he's like a visitor from another planet because he's talking about English language and how we use it and how he's adjusted to it. And it's very funny. Yeah. And people love him. He's he's just got this persona. He's a nice, another nice guy. Yeah, he told me I was funny, so I love him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was wondering you. Yeah, I know his mom. <laughs> I thought maybe back your great grandfather was in Finland and got you know sodomized by something. I hate people from Finland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I got no problem with him. I only met him once. But uh, good material, and you know. And people love it because it's a language we use all the time. It's right in front of us. But he, he, to find something funny in that is amazing. Right. That's, that's what I love. All comedians do. But Ismo, in particular, on this Conan spot, had a great spot. And it went out there. And people love it. Yeah. You know? So he's doing well. So I like that. You know, when it makes someone who's deserving kind of super famous all of a sudden. I go, good. It's like kind of – it's kind of one in the lottery, but he fashioned the ticket. Right. And it was big and sticky. You know, and he put it out there. Yeah. So uh, what's changed in the 80s today, uh, the art of it hasn't changed at all, mm-hmm. you know. But social media, uh, people, uh, you know, phones going off, certainly. That's why, like, Chappelle now and a lot of these top acts, you put your phone in. This, as you go in, you go through this line, you put your phone in a little pouch. And I was talking to Dave after a show, and he said, it, uh, he goes, it makes all the difference in the world. You yeah. can say anything you want. It won't go out there. Yeah. You know, it's fantastic. So the drag, as this phone is being pointed at me at this podcast, people filming you on phones or taking pictures. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. You know, or answering their phone. Yeah, I, I don't know about the whole phone thing as far as my shows go, but every now and again I get to do a, a, a show where they don't do check drops, <clears throat> and I feel all the difference in the world on those. Yeah. You know, Well, the check drop's always been around. Oh, it's freaking brutal, though. Yeah, you yeah. Know? What do you do during the check drop? Anything particular? I go, folks, you're getting your checks right now. It's it's not rocket science. Just read it. Tip the waitress as well in just kind of benign way. But, you know, yeah, you know, I'm working up here. I, I kind of try to, you know, hey, the checks are coming out of hand for the waitress. I know. Don't look at it all night, sir. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of jokes you can throw in, stuff like that. Yeah, I've been lately I've been saying, like, you know, the staff's just doing their job. I'm not bitching about them, but can you imagine being in any other form of entertainment? Like you're at a movie, you got 15 minutes left, you're about to find out who the, who the murderer is, and they come around, you owe us $8 for water. You know? So, yeah. Like, about to find who the murderer is. Just pay for your Snickers, and then you can just don't be a dick. Yeah. 
that to me is the worst. Like I'm getting ready to do Vegas, and they don't do a check drop there, which is cool. Right. And there's a few clubs that have figured it out that they don't have to do a check drop. Yeah, you, you don't. <laughs> there it, are it, ways to get around it. Yes, but it's a lot bigger pain in the ass for the club. So it's much just, more enjoyable for the patrons too. Yeah. It, again, you have to give a shit about the patrons. Right. You people, you know, there are people that are running businesses. If you're coming in, sitting down, ordering drinks, you're not that valuable to them because there's other people, you know. You're a comedian. You don't like something. Well, yeah, that guy bitches too much. Get another one. Right. You know. Especially uh, these days where there's so many comedians. There are a lot of comedians, but they're not a lot of good ones. That's true. You know, I, actually, I take that back. There are a lot of really good comedians, but they're not always around. Yeah. You know. Um, there's a lot of good actors, you know. When I go to an audition, it's like going to the SAG Awards, you know. It's like, oh, that guy and that guy. Well, just cast him. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, Why am I here? I, yeah, I had to drive. I had to come to the Valley to look at this guy I've been watching for 30 years, yeah. knocking it out of the park. Yeah. You know, but then again, you might bring something to the table. Uh, but just to be an actor would be brutal. Yeah. Brutal. For New Year's, I'm doing a club in uh, – I haven't got to work it yet, but I've heard great things. Like they have get this system where they don't, uh, if if instead of the waiter having to come around and, and ask people all the time if they need something, they have like a light they turn on, and it comes on, and the uh, then this then the waiter comes over and asks. Hey, so you got lights going on and off all over your show. Well, what the hell? What kind of nightmare is that? That's a horrible <laughs> big search light. You should have whistles at the table. Well, apparently it's working out. It's working out great. That's what I'm I'm, I'm trying to say. Yeah, no. I canceled that gig. What's that club? I can do that. I'm free New Year's. I can do that gig. Tim, you shouldn't go. Not with your history of anxiety. I don't think. To see flashing lights is not good. I'll call the club owner tomorrow. Don't worry about it. I'll handle it. I'll book myself in there. <laughs> but no, that's good. Where is this club? It's in uh, Air- Glendale, Arizona. It's called Stir Crazy Comedy Club. Stir Crazy. We're going to turn the lights on and off. Yeah. <laughs> and people in Arizona are armed, you know. Uh, the Acura, the keys, so we move that. Oh, that, yeah. Or the, can I get the keys real quick? Yeah, it's a push button. I, please don't scratch it no, up. I, I don't give you. anybody my car. We only got a few minutes left here. Anyway. All right. Well, I move my car. This is what's going to happen. John's going to move my car. Someone's going to dent it. He won't. He used to work here. He no, used to, is, uh, yeah. he, he used to be the, the car mover. Oh, really? Yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I know those guys. Wrong thing to say. I used to valet park, too. So. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why no, I don't like anybody. about stressful. I could never freaking do that. When, I, when people are watching me park something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, parallel park. Yeah. I had a girlfriend always made a comment out here in California, and I left her. It was the worst mistake I ever made in my life, spending a fuck. I'm sorry. Anyway, I'd, I'd be parallel parking, and she'd go, oh, and, and so I'd get, I'd freeze up. Yeah. And it would take me a couple times. Yeah. To this day, when I parallel park, sometimes I'll think of her voice. Really? Pop, yeah, that's how. I, I'm a nut. <laughs> how much she damaged you? She, I'm damaged, yes. So you've been married now for a good amount of time, since 97, right? No, I, I that's wrong on okay. my uh, IMDb page. Okay. I got married in 08. Okay. But I've been with her a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your only time you've ever been married? Yeah. Okay. I got married at the age of uh, 53. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What, what made you finally decide, like, was there a... Well... We've been she together did, for a long time. Yeah, and she she didn't want to get married. So that was fine with that. But right. then I thought, uh, I get a SAG pension mm-hmm. you know, for uh, acting. And so I called him. I said, you know, I'm married to this woman a couple of years. I want to make sure that, you know, she's in my paperwork. And he said, no, you can't leave it. It doesn't go to your wife. Uh, it's only for uh, if you're a same-sex couple. Cause, what? Cause this was back before gay people could marry. Okay. You know, because gay people get all the breaks, right? Right. So <laughs> um, so I, my wife comes home, and I said, honey, I want you, I want to, I want you protected. Let's get married, you know. So that was the impetus, really. Okay. Couldn't have loved her anymore. Right. You know, and she agreed. But, you know, she said, and we knew we'll get married someday, but what's the hurry? You know, we don't have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've already done our wills, you know, uh, but you know, the pension is, it's a nice little chunk of money every month. Right. And so if God forbid anything happens to me, she has, gets it. Everything any- okay? Yes, sir. John, <laughs> yeah, buddy. he was worried about it. You left the windows open while you were in there, right? I don't want to smell you. No, I just got brand new Old Spice, man. This is top shelf. Really? $4 uh, deodorant. What'd you have for breakfast this morning? 
Tacos. Oh, uh, no. No. You farted in my car. Didn't no, you? not yet. I just ate breakfast about an hour and a half He's going to save so. that in, for my car on the way home. Yes. An hour and a half scourge back to fucking. Are you guys uh, roommates? No, but he lives about 15 minutes from me. Which okay. in L.A. is technically almost roommates. Well, uh, Tim's married, so. I am married. Did I tell you I'm having a baby boy? Oh, what? In November. Oh, man, congratulations. Yeah, thanks, that's buddy. fantastic. Thanks, Alan. I appreciate that. Oh, that's wonderful. A ba- and you know it's a boy. Yep. Fantastic. Got the name picked out and everything. Wait, well, yeah, what's his name? Micah. Micah? Micah. That's his name? Micah Earl Colat Gaither. Wow. Where, where did Micah come from? Uh, I, we just like it. I've always liked that name. Um, and Earl was her grandpa's name, who she was very close to. He's also a stud. He's a World War II hero. And Where, where's your Where's her family from? Uh, and they live they're Redondo Beach, Manhattan Beach, that area. And where's your family from? Uh, they all live in Kansas now, pretty much. Okay, so Some Micah came Arkansas. from Redondo Beach. Um, you know the culture, Micah. Yeah, I just always when I was M I K A M I C A H. Micah. Micah. Okay, yeah. interesting. When I was a kid, I... Because that I, could be a girl's name, too, right? Uh, I guess it could, yeah. 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 Um, Maybe uh, a different spelling, but... Yeah. When I was a kid, there was this guy named Micah Gardner who was a badass wrestler, and so I always thought that was a cool name. And then and then actually we went skiing not too long ago, and the kid getting our skis... Back in Kansas? Was, what do you mean? Micah? Micah, yeah. You know from Kansas? Yeah. That That's an unusual name in Kansas. Yeah. Not kid, in California. Yeah. The kid was a stud. He's like a... I don't know multiple times state champ but i always liked that name and then when we came to uh we went skiing not too long ago and the kid getting our skis his name was micah and i was like you know i always like that name if we have a boy you know, name micah Earl so Colette. when he's 16 he'll wrestle the car keys away from you probably be a big stud yeah that's great man that's wonderful congrats thanks buddy. what's your wife's name casey casey congratulations yeah she's gonna be a great mother I tim really... casey and micah yeah yeah no you'll be a good dad thanks buddy i'm gonna do my best I well, that's that's all you can do. I certainly know what not to do. Well, you buried the lead. Now, do you have anxiety and nervous about that? No, I, I had a lot of I had a fair amount of anxiety when she was just pregnant. But ever since we we found out for sure that it's a boy, a lot of that's gone away. Why? Um, I know how that how I am, and having a girl to me, I know the shit that comes out of people's mouths. And I think it would have driven me to prison or an early grave. <laughs> like everyone jokes about that, but I really like people. Drive, like I have a niece, and my one of my aunts was said said something. She's like eight years old, just a skinny little kid, and uh, she was like eating a candy bar, like ice cream or something. It was like a Memorial Day weekend or something. Mm. So the kids eating ice cream, and she's like, and she's like. Uh, you better put that down. You got to get in a bathing suit next week because they're going on some vacation. And eight I, years and old, I, and I thought to myself. That's why girls have fucking eating yeah. disorders. Yeah. Because you put that shit in their head. Right. And it can happen to boys too, but just all that it Never happened. Stuff. No one ever stopped us from eating candy yeah. as a boy. Hey, yeah. well, my dad never came up. Hey, you want to watch your figure? Yeah. Summer's coming. No, yeah, yeah no, no. Women, you know, have the shit end of the stick in Absolutely. a lot of ways. Absolutely. And, and I know that how I am and how protective I can be. And I just feel like I would have eventually stroked out over it. Just like, oh, <laughs> you would have been fine. I, yeah, no, I you, know I, how much I would have loved her. That's not a question. Yeah. It's just that no, I was... yeah, listen, if you have a child, they're instantly loved and, and you'll deal with anything. You know? Yeah, that's true. But I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. You know, we're old school. We, we worry about our, our female uh, relatives. And, there, and there's a lot of stuff that I... Our sisters. Whenever I picture having a kid, it was always a boy, like, telling him the stuff that I wish my dad would have told me. You know, like, I love you no matter what. I don't care if you win or lose. You're still my son. I right. love you. So when I... Don't put a fork in the toaster. Yeah. You know? I, I never heard that kind of shit from my dad. So whenever I pictured uh-huh. having a kid and talking to them and getting like, you know, you know, a little, I get, I'm, I'm pretty sentimental. No, it's good. So, I, me too, man. Yeah. I, I get very sentimental. Yeah. So. Well, good for you. That's yeah. exciting. I'm happy about That's it. That's great. Um, I guess we're going to have to get that out of here pretty soon. Well. Making it happen. both. We we end on a great note. Congratulations. Thanks, on, man. Uh, yeah. I'm not a parent myself. Much. I don't want to be, but I. <laughs> Uh, no, I envy you, and uh, uh, I, what's the word? I'm uh, excited we're, for we're you. Wrapping it up. you know? Yeah, that's great. I really appreciate that. Is there anything you want to plug, dude? I've got dozens of listeners. Yeah, I got the <laughs> I got the uh, No Children website uh, happening right now at my home. Why people shouldn't have children? There's books out there how they're morally wrong to have children. No. <laughs> Uh, nokids.com go to that <laughs> trying to get rid of children in this country they're, they're the ones that costing us 
Social Security, uh, I need it, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to be at the Edinburgh Fest. Get okay. your passports. Get your passports. Fringe, yeah, go out. Wanna, I think there are a couple other shows besides mine. And uh, alanhavy.com. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm on Billions. That's running now if you want to catch a little acting. Great show. Great show. And uh, what else? I didn't realize you are on that. I'm going to watch it now because I didn't know you. Well, I'm not on. It was. It's not like Mad Men, but I was on uh, season two, a couple episodes, a couple brief scenes, and then this season I'm on several times, several pops. You know. But every time I see you on TV or a movie, I'm like, ah, sweet, there's Alan. Yeah, so. I'm the same way with comics too, but thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, alanhavy.com has all my tours and, and or, uh, you know, where I'm going to be. Okay. So cool. thank you. I'll be in London too and uh, Manchester. Awesome. Before Scotland. Sweet. So, yeah. Cool, man. When is that going to be? Uh, end of July, and then Scotland's all through August at the Fringe Fest. Okay. In Edinburgh. And, and that's all on alanhavey.com. Yep. A l l a n h a v e y dot com. And always, as always, go to making it happen. M a c a n it happen dot com to help out little bow making. And my website is timgathercomedy.com. I'm going to be in Vegas this week at the uh, Tropicana Laugh Factory. And uh, I just, I've actually booked a lot of dates the last few days. Good. Which always makes you feel better, doesn't it? <clears throat> Whenever you like look oh, at your yeah. calendar and you're like, oh, you know, one God, I can keep doing this for another year. In one week, this <laughs> happened about nine years ago. I booked a couple acting gigs and got two checks in the mail. Nice. Like in the same week. And yeah. it was like, I said to my wife, I should get a little bell on my desk. Yeah. So I got a little bell. Anytime I open up a residual check, bing, or if I book a job, bing, it's just a goofy little thing I do. Yeah. You know? Well, congratulations, buddy. And I'm mostly straight. <laughs> mostly straight. What does that mean, mostly? 98% heterosexual. Yeah. I like musicals. I'm sentimental. You okay. know. <laughs> you, know <laughs> you know, Tim, a lot of guys, name your boy Micah. Well, you're creating a homosexual right there. <laughs> Why true. don't you let the kid find it on his own, <laughs> the way Jesus wants him to? I had his his third. Uh, he's got two middle names because I only plan on having one kid, and it's his third name is Colat after my favorite wrestler of all time. He's like a multiple. He's a badass, one of the best wrestlers there has ever been. And this coach. You mean like, fake wrestling? No, real wrestling. Oh, good, yeah, good. You no, know, I grew up wrestling, and. Uh, uh, this coach was like, "There's a lot of pressure." I'm like, "I don't care if he wrestles at all. I just like yeah. the name." Yeah. So fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> With your pressure. Larry David has a daughter named Cassie. Oh yeah. Named after a New York Nick. Really? A guy, yeah. Huh. So she's she's not gonna I don't think she goes, Oh no, I have to be an African American basketball player. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well thanks for listening everybody. Um I really appreciate the support and uh make sure you check out Alan Havy, one of the funniest guys I've ever known and uh one of the best comedians out there. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. TimGatherComedy.com. Take care. God bless all of you. Bye.